So I'm going to begin with a programming note, which is this. You've already heard the sermon. You've heard the heart of it. I need to say a little bit more because that's what they pay me to do, so I'm going to do that. But if, if you just hold on to what we've already talked about, what I've talked about, about the love of God, you'll, you'll get it. Over a number of years, Donald Lowry, posing as a woman, wrote letters to thousands of men in order to gain their trust and ultimately their money. He was very convincing, and he built a small empire out of his efforts from downtown Moline, Illinois. Known as the Church of Love, the authorities eventually caught up with him, and he was put on trial in Peoria. But many of those that he had tricked urged the authorities not to pursue charges against him. And some actually testified in his behalf, claiming that his affirming letters over time had lifted their depression. Two of them said he had saved them from suicide. Such is our desperate need to be loved. Love comes forward in the theme of faith, doesn't it? God's love. And it's good for us to be reminded of such an important reality here in the middle of Lent. Today is actually known as Eter Sunday. That's kind of a lighter version of Lent, if you will. The word is taken from the intro that is traditionally sung or said at the beginning of the service. Rejoice, O Jerusalem. There's more celebration on this day. Some of the usual restrictions in Lent are lifted. And we can see the light of Easter dawning not too far away. For instance, weddings traditionally are not performed during Lent. But couples can get married on one day of the season. And that is today, Later Sunday. So if you're trying to do that, you have a few hours to talk to me about that if you need, to, you need a wedding. Now, a Redeemer, we don't observe a Lent that's quite so austere, do we? But it's helpful to understand, I think, the place for these readings and why they come up today, reminding us once again of God's goodness, of God's mercy, and God's love. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, the psalmist says. We've had a couple of Sundays looking at the cross of Jesus Christ, the importance of that, the need for it, its call to us in our life. Well, today we see what is behind the cross and what motivates it beyond any theology, and that's simply God's love. Nicodemus is a well-known teacher in Israel. In fact, Jesus calls him the teacher of Israel. He comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness to pose some questions. He intrigued by this itinerant teacher from Galilee that much. He probably heard the stories of healings and so on. He was aware, I'm sure, that Jesus had cleared the temple. And he affirms that there is something of divine appointment going on in Jesus. He says, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. So far, so good. But Nicodemus struggles to grasp the heart of Jesus' message which is about a new life that is a gift of God through the Spirit. Not through the keeping of laws and requirements. Not through being born Jewish. But through God's gift of salvation offered through relationship with Christ. Relationship with the one who is lifted up in crucifixion and in glory. And so the reading we have today from John is part of that meeting with Nicodemus. The conversation probably into the night. We just have little snippets of it. But we have enough to understand that Nicodemus was being invited, even challenged by what Jesus was saying, to see things he had not seen, 
to be open to realities that he had missed. And within this conversation, we have the Bible verse that is memorized and quoted more than any other. John 3.16. We see and hear it so often by itself that we forget that it's part of this interchange, this exchange with And it's related uh, very closely to the statement about Jesus' death. For God so loved, you can quote it, I'm sure, in whatever version that you learned it, right? Most of us, anyway. Most of us know about it. But it's good to hear it again and to be uh, reminded of its centrality to all of life. Now, this was hard for Nicodemus, who was being pushed to accept that mercy is the heart of faith and that God's plan Salvation is for the whole world. It's hard for us too, I think, who struggle sometimes to maintain belief in divine, unconditional love for us. Because we know how frail human love is. We know how perfect our love is. We know how broken and unworthy we are, at least if we get honest with ourselves. Even our best love is ragged around the edges, isn't it? Well, God's love has no edges. It's full and rich and free. It's a quality we cannot comprehend in human terms. Frederick Lehman tried in his 1917 hymn. This is a stanza from that hymn. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stalk on earth a quill and everyone a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above, drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, but stretch from sky to sky. For God so loved. It's a comment on the way that God loves, not the quantity which cannot be measured. That love is always with us, around us, like air. (laughs) And in our brokenness in the dark, we're not aware of it. Coming aware, though, is like coming into the light, waking up, being made new. God's love for us is a place of transformation, of becoming open to the things that we need to see and to hear that we've not been open to before. And that's not just about coming to Christ, continual renewal in the Spirit that's brought about God's love. We can embrace growth. We can embrace change because we can trust God's love for us. Jesus is inviting Nicodemus to change, isn't he? To be open to radical transformation by the Spirit, a new life given from above. But Nicodemus is captive to his learning and his many questions. He is the ultimate insider with high status, and there's a lot here to protect. In the next chapter of John, Jesus will meet the ultimate outsider, a person with no status. She is a person, I think, when we look at her life, would say she's desperate for love. And in talking with Jesus, becomes open to the truth of God's love in the person of Jesus standing right in front of her. Nicodemus' questions were, how? How? But how? (laughs) The woman's question that she asks excitedly of her friends, could this be the Messiah? These are very different questions. God's love is a place of safety for us. 
a place of knowing and being known, a place for questions if we have them or no questions, a place to rest, a place to stop striving, cease worrying, to step away from anxiety, to let all that troubles us just go, to know that we are beloved just as we are. I want to let that sit for a moment because I think we don't really believe it. At least many of us struggle with it in the center of ourselves, and I have to say this has been a struggle for me. We say, yes, but. <laughs> yes, God's love, but. We're like Nicodemus. And Jesus said to him, you're not listening. Let me say it again. I love the story that was carried on the Canadian Broadcasting uh, Corporation about a prison in Quebec where a ban on smoking was put into place. So the prisoners, as prisoners do, I'm sure, got creative about this problem, and they used a mixture of tea leaves and the gum that's prescribed for smoking cessation. You know, it's got a little bit of nicotine in it. And they mixed it up, and they rolled it, and they, sm and they smoked it. Now, although most paper burns too quickly, paper from the Bibles they were distributed worked pretty well. <laughs> One prisoner told the reporter, I smoked through Matthew, I smoked through Mark, I smoked through Luke, then I got to John, and I finally saw how much God loves me. I don't smoke anymore because now I'm a Christian. True story. That, I laughed so hard with the first time I heard that and saw that, but it's also profound because it reminds us that God's love meets us right where we are right where we are. It's always moving toward us. It's always calling us to the Lord. Even after the kind of year we've had, perhaps especially in a year when, in which love has taken such a hit. Amanda and I were reflecting that uh, the fourth Sunday of Lent, which is today, was the first Sunday last year that we were totally online. Uh, the, la the song that we sang this morning uh, was the last song that we sang before it's also the one-year anniversary of the, the killing of Breonna Taylor. I mean, there was just many things around that, around that time that now for this year. And God's love is with us. God's love opens for us, though, a place of response. It's unconditional, but it calls us to respond. When we grow in our awareness of God's love for us, it frees us to love God and to love others. Julian of Norwich said that God loves us and delights in us, so he wishes us to love him and delight in him and trust greatly in him. We've been reciting the Ten Commandments each week during this season, and we've been hearing Jesus' summary of it. It's been called the Jesus Creed. God's love frees us and it empowers to do just that, to love God with, with the fullness of our being and to love our neighbor as ourselves. See, that's... The so the love comes unconditionally, but it's not without cost to God and also to us to respond. It loves us fully where we are, but it doesn't leave us there. That is discipleship. That is growing to be more like Jesus. And as we respond to God's love for us, we'll be 
to do the good works that God has prepared in advance to do. One of the offertory sentences in the book is taken from Ephesians. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God. As God's children, we become part of his offering of love to the world. Healers that know the healing power of God's love. Reconcilers that can tell of bridges built and walls torn down by God's love. Gospelers who share the good news of the kingdom of God in love. The church's mission is not primarily strategy or technique or even understanding. It is the love of God poured out through those who walk in it. We've been talking about prayer um, during this season and a call to, to, to prayer, to, to deep prayer for what God is wanting to work in us and what he's wanting to do with us as a church, as a community. And I think if we do that and we pray in a specific way to, to allow ourselves to be broken, to be broken before God, the things that break the heart of God, to, to, to be done in us, when we're broken, more of God's love can get in to us and also it can move out of us. As our love grows and deepens, we will not need to worry about how to love our neighbor or our response to injustice or how to live in the midst of a polarized world. This love will lead us and will give us all that is needed. One thought I had uh, as I was just thinking through this and, and the passages and reflecting on God's love is realizing that God loves people that I don't. God loves the people that I don't. And that's probably an indication of the growth that I need. <laughs> the growth that we need. Downplaying learning. Learning is important. Study is good. You know, knowledge is important. But love is over all. Love is over all. Paul is trying to deal with a really hard case in Corinth. <laughs> that church there is really in bad shape, right? And what does he give to them? He gives this amazing chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. We read it at weddings, and that's appropriate. But we should probably read it at church meetings <laughs> or annual meetings or whenever we have conflict, or, or we're going different directions, call everybody together and say, listen, and we read it. I'm not going to read it right now, but I, I encourage you to, to turn to it, maybe even to pray through it. Say, Lord, give us, give me this kind of love, a love that looks like this. The world will be radically changed by people that live into that in a serious way. May it be so with us. Amen.